Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. You glad you're in the house today? Come on, in, uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, I'm a big college basketball fan, so I feel like I'm in Mecca right now. Pastor Justin took me down to Allen yesterday, and I was just weeping with the joy of the Lord. <laughs> I got to see Dr. Naismith's original Rules of Basketball. Have you guys seen this? Probably. You're locals, so you're like, oh, yeah, whatever, Allen Fieldhouse. Uh. It, was, it was incredible. Um, I've, this is my first time to Kansas. In fact, I told Pastor Justin, I think this is my first time anywhere between Chicago and Dallas, <laughs> like up and down the coasts. And, um, but it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Pastor Justin and Marissa, I love you guys. Uh, how, how long ago did we meet? Four or five years ago um, at, at Team Church in Washington State. And um, uh, love them, love your church. Um, and I just, I just really feel like God is gonna speak to us today. Uh, here's, here's the posture that, 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 I, that I love for us to have is scripture tells us that we don't just want to be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers. Hello. And so we listen with, uh, with anticipation, like, like you're in the starting blocks, just ready for that gun to fire. And I'm praying and believing that, um, that you are here today, knowing that you came to hear a word that God's going to speak to you. Um, and, and we're going to have some fun here today. Uh, I come from Washington State, um, a church called Genesis Church. We celebrate eight years as a church in September, um, which is, you're like, but you're 14 years old. How is that possible? Uh, I'm in my Jesus year. I just turned 33 a couple weeks ago. And um, I have a, my wife's name is Carly, and I have a son named Solomon. Uh, I think we got a picture of them that they can fire up there, Carly and Solomon. We just took a vacation to the Oregon coast a couple uh, weeks ago. There they are. And she is with child, and she will, she will deliver um, our daughter, Ruth, in the beginning of August. Um, so we might have a team church, baby. I don't know if you guys are going to team church, but we got a Tacoma hospital picked out, and um, I am just, oh, man. I love parenthood. It's a new season of life for me. My son's 18 months old, and um, I know Pastor Justin, you guys have kids, and many of you guys have kids. It's just, it is the ultimate joy and pleasure to wake up in the morning and hear your children screaming your name, asking for food, and, and asking for all of the things that they feel like they've never had in their entire life, even though you give it to them every day. And, uh, but it's truly, truly a joy, parenthood, and um, I am honored anytime I get the chance to open scripture. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us here, and then we got a lot of scripture to get through. Um, so buckle up. Uh, God, thank you so much for who you are to us. God, for who you are in our lives. We need you desperately. And I'm thankful, Holy Spirit, that, that you are here with us. Jesus, you said when we gather in your name that you are here. So we know that you're here. Holy Spirit, as we jump into scripture, would you show us Jesus? We want to see him in his beauty, in his majesty, in all of his glory. Jesus, you said that if we've seen you, we've seen the Father. And Father, we want to know your heart. We want to know your ways. Like, like Moses prayed, I just show me your ways. Teach me your ways. God, if I found favor, teach me your ways that I might find favor in your sight. 
And God, we want desperately to honor you with everything in our lives. And we pray that you're glorified here today in Jesus' name. Velocity Church, sit. <clears throat> Pastor Justin said, I come from a, a loud, responsive church. And maybe that's not your flow, but just try it. It's not more holy, it's just more fun. Like, it's more fun for me. And maybe you're like, that's okay, you're the guest speaker. I don't have to do what you say. You're not my dad. Uh, but just try it. Uh, you might have some fun. Um, I'm gonna preach a message to you that God put on my heart um, a while ago. I've preached it at our church. It's called The Other Side. Somebody say The Other Side. The other side. And I'm just gonna jump right into scripture and we're gonna spend some time unpacking these passages of scripture together. But I'm gonna be jumping off in Mark chapter four and we're gonna be bouncing around between Mark four and Mark eight. And uh, the gospel of Mark is Peter's gospel. Peter was uh, a disciple. He was like, if the disciples were the lost boys, Peter was like Rufio. He was like the, he was the leader. He was the main cat. And um, Jesus saw something in Peter that, that he had determined, this is Peter, that uh, he says, Peter, uh, I'm gonna build my church on you. Like your name is Rock, and upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And this is Peter's account of, of the ministry of Jesus, the earthly ministry of Jesus. And so this is why in the Gospel of Mark, we get like super fast-paced, there's no genealogies, there's no nothing like this, it just jumps into the action. Because that's how Peter was. Peter was like, skip all the birthday stuff. Let's get to the miracles. That was Peter. Peter was an intense, an intense guy. And Mark is, is the gospel that paints Peter in the best light. Because if it, if it was your gospel, wouldn't you paint yourself in the best light? Like, oh, I was awesome. Like the gospel of John, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. Because it's his gospel. So he's like, and the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> So this is, this is Peter's gospel, a guy named Mark, you know, in the inter interview process, penned this. But this is actually Peter's firsthand account of, of Jesus' ministry. And so scripture says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 30. Um, and he said, he being Jesus, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or, or, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Y'all ever seen a mustard seed? Me either. Verse 32, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. It puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. And check this, scripture says, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And I believe the next four chapters that follow, it's not, this is not their sole purpose because they have tons of fantastic content in them. But the next four chapters that follow, Jesus spends time unpacking the meaning of this parable of the mustard seed. He says the kingdom of God is like this, because this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry, trying to, he's, he's trying to infuse to a group of people who were very familiar with religious rhythms and routines. This, these Jewish people who had grown up hearing stories of, of Yahweh and hearing stories bouncing around on grandpa's knee at the Chick-fil-A. Like, hey, remember when he parted the Red Sea? And they're like, yeah, the Red Sea. But for 400 and some years, God has been silent up to this point. 
And all they've had to go on is what other people had told them about who God was in their life. And so now Jesus shows up on the scene and he has some reconfiguration to do in their minds and in their hearts. He shows up and and in fact, he has such reconfiguration that, that Matthew tells us the first part of his ministry after he's baptized and goes and is tempted in the wilderness, the first part of his ministry has come to be known the Sermon on the Mount where, where he gives us the Beatitudes where he says the kingdom of God is like this and it's like this and it's like this and the kingdom of God is like this and there's something inside of the people's hearts and the listeners that as Jesus starts to talk about what the kingdom of God is like, there's something in them that starts to resonate at a very deep level such that they say things like, who is this guy? They're like, Chris, you ever heard anybody talk like this? He's like, no, I've never heard anybody speak with this kind of authority because he's talking about the kingdom and he's reconfiguring things and it's bearing witness with their souls. And it's in this space that he's telling the kingdom of God is like this. It's like this mustard seed, the tiniest of all the seeds that when sown into the ground, it becomes this plant far larger than what that seed was. It grows and it gives shade and it provides nesting places for the birds. And then he goes, got it? Cool, bye, and and walks away. The scripture says he, he didn't speak to anybody except using parables, but privately, To his disciples, he explained everything. It's a fantastic model, another sermon for another day, brilliant example of what a good discipler looks like. Privately, he explained everything. So it's in that mind frame. There's a section break for me in my Bible. After he says that, it goes, Jesus calms a storm. But what we've got to remember is there are no section breaks in Scripture. This is Peter just, just telling him how it happened. So he says the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed sown into the ground. It comes this big old thing. And privately, he explained everything to his disciples. And then this is what he says. Jesus goes, on that day when evening had come, he said, you know what? Let's go across to the other side. So, so holding these things together, he's like, Peter, Peter tells Mark, like, hey, Jesus would talk in these stories and, and the other people would be kind of confused, but then he would, he would tell us what he meant. So he said, you know what, let's go to the other side. And I believe this, the, the, the next four chapters that follow are Jesus unpacking what the parable of the mustard seed truly means. Yeah. Scripture t- We just sang this song, peace be still, you are here, so it is well. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read what happens, but they, they are going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. This sea that Peter grew up fishing, Peter, James, and John grew up, they would have known this sea very well. They go to the other side, and on their way to the other side is this gigantic storm. The Greek word is seismos, where we get our word earthquake from, but it carries a deeper meaning in Greek that it was they, they feared for their lives because it was a, like a cataclysmic storm. Like, batten down the hatches, we're going to die. Like, I feel like the enemy was like, hey, I got him on a boat right now. I can stop this train before it goes anywhere. This is where Jesus calms, calms the sea. He, he shows them that he is Lord over even the wind and waves, the elements, and they go, who is this guy? They get to the other side. And what they encounter, I have to imagine, would have blown the disciples' minds. Because here's what's going on. On, on, on the side of the lake, 
that Mark chapter 4 takes place upon is, is Jewish country. So the, the, God's chosen people, the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel had settled on that side. It's like the good guy side. Like, like for lack of a better terms, the good guy side. Like good guys, yay. Like, like Seahawks, yay. Chiefs, boo. You know, like. It's the good guy side. On the other side of the lake is a region known as Decapolis, the 10 cities. And it's where the seven nations of Canaan, hang with me for a sec. This is, you're like, well, I showed up to a history lesson, but it's important. The seven nations of Canaan had settled on the other side of the lake after uh, over a course of, a, of about 1,500 years, the nation of Israel drove them out of what was called the promised land, the land of Canaan. These foreign tribes, uh, God used the nation of Israel to drive them out. They inhabited the promised land. So on this side of the lake, it's the nation of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel. The other side of the lake, it's the seven nations of Canaan. So this would have been an appalling thing for Jesus to say, you know what? Let's go to the other side of the lake. Because on the other side of the lake, was, 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 those people were unclean. Not only were they unclean, they, these, many of the 10 cities housed, um, they were centers of occult practices. They, they literally worshipped demons. There was a detachment of the Roman legion there that their, their signet on their flag when they went into battle was a pig's head. Like, to a Jewish mind, pigs, pork, unclean, nasty. Some of these cities practiced child sacrifice to the gods. Like, it would have been unthinkable and appalling for Jesus to say, you know what, we're going to go over to the other side. Something else that's important to note is on, on the side of the lake they were on were all these ministry opportunities. There's tons of people over here who need, who need Jesus. They need to hear his message. They need to hear that, that he, is, he is, in fact, God. They need his healing touch in their life. They need his provision. And they go to the other side, leaving all of these things that on paper it seems like, why would I leave all these opportunities? Some of you, God has called you to go places and to do things, and he has you in areas that do not make sense to you on paper. They just don't. God, why did you send me here? I, I, I felt like you, you sent me here for an opportunity. Here, here's what happens when they get to the other side. Chapter 5 starts out like this. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. That's where the bad guys live. Uh -uh, the yucky guys, the unclean ones. It, it was ceremonial, they were ceremonial, ceremonially, hello. I talk for a living, I can't even say that word. Ceremonially unclean, such that it wasn't even lawful for the Jews to interact with them. And Jesus goes, let's go talk to those people. They get over there. Here's the scripture said, when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. What happens when you step out in faith in what God told you to do and you get there and, it, and it's worse than what you left? 
God, I left all, I left all of this opportunity. You told me to go over here. And in our minds, maybe if you're like me, in my mind, I'm, I'm like, if I follow Jesus, everything pops up rainbows. You know, I think, I think we know generally there's suffering in life, but I feel like if God called me to this, then when I get there, there's going to be, it's just going to be revival. Because on the other side of the lake, they're experiencing revival. Crowds are showing up such that Jesus has to get in a boat and get away from the shore. And he goes to the other side, and here's what meets him. Not crowds of people, but one demon-possessed guy. Yeah. Pastor Justin, what do, you, what do you do when you step out in faith believing that God called you to do something and you get there and it looks nothing like you thought it would, here's, here's what we get the opportunity. We second guess God, his voice. God, did you send me here? Did I miss it? Gosh, all this time, energy, resources that I spent getting over here. What is going on? Am I the biggest idiot in the world? Let me calm I'm, I'm praying through this. I'm just trying to help you that I might calm your soul because remember Jesus is unpacking this parable. They get to the other side. There's this demon-possessed guy. It's like he leaves like Palm Springs and he gets over there and it's like, like Lemony Snicket. Like the trees are all crooked and it's raining all the time. And, and there's just a demon-possessed guy like, hi, welcome to Decapolis. In fact, that's not what he says because he's just shrieking and screaming, scripture tells us. He, they, the, the, the townspeople have tried to bind him up with chains. And this dude got like mom strength when your kid is trapped. Lifting Volkswagens, he's like, ha, 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 psh, breaks chains off. He's cutting himself, he's, and, and he's wailing, but he, he, he recognizes the authority that just stepped onto that side of the lake. An authority and a presence that thus far had been absent from that side of the lake. Oh, come on. Steps onto that side of the lake, and immediately this guy goes. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna paraphrase it for the sake of time. You can read it. This is the beginning of Mark chapter five. He says, he says, what do you mean to do with us? He's mocking Jesus. Don't you send me out? And Jesus has this conversation with him. And scripture tells us that Jesus cast the, the demons out of this guy because he's full of tons of demons, sends him into some pigs. There's a whole lot of symbolism there that just, we don't have time to get into. Sends him into some pigs. They run off a cliff. They're dead. And then this man has this conversation with Jesus. And this is chapter five, verse 18. That after Jesus had set this guy free, this guy who had been who had been possessed, he was not in his right mind. Jesus restored him to the original person that he was created to be. He set him free from all the things that had been hanging on, all the other people who had written him off. They'd put him in the tombs. If there's no hope for this guy, let's just get him out of the way. Can, can we just make him be not here anymore? Jesus comes to this guy. He had a mission. He left all of this opportunity. He had a mission to go see this one guy and he sets him free. He delivers him. Scripture says that he's sitting there clothed in his right mind. And when the people who knew him saw him, they were gripped with fear. They weren't gripped with fear when Jesus cast demons out and sent him into pigs. They were like, oh, oh, whatever. They got mad. Like, you can't be here. How dare you hurt my pigs? And then they see this guy who has been healed and set free, and they're terrified because it means that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is who he says he is, and all bets are off. So he's been set free. 
And then in verse 18, scripture says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged Jesus that he might go with him. Jesus said, no. This is, this is like, this is, this is a jerk move by Jesus. Scripture says, Jesus didn't let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. In Mark 5, 20, this is the end of Scripture, says, all the people were amazed. Jesus tells this guy, no. This is the other side. We're talking about going to the other side. I believe that there is, there's, there's a mantle on this church to go to the other side. There's a mantle on, if you call this place home for you, to go to the, you know what doesn't make sense? Going to the other side. On paper. Doesn't make sense going to the other side. And, and, and the other side, I'm talking about not just people who are, I, lo I love that you guys are about people who are far from God, but I'm not just talking about people who are far from God. I'm talking about people who straight up reject him and are, in fact, living lives that are in complete, contrary, they're, they're contrarian to everything about how scripture tells us to live. This was the case in, in the Decapolis. It wasn't just that they hadn't met Jesus. They celebrated things that were straight up in violation of Jewish scripture. It wasn't just that they practiced them. They celebrated them. They had parades about them. They, 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 they got this stuff tatted all over them. They were proud of it. They weren't just practicing and hiding. They were proud of it. They were way out in the open about it. It was their identity. And Jesus said, I am going to the other side. There is a whole entire people groups, sets of people, in our culture who are waiting for you to go to the other side. Yeah, but pastor, yeah, but, but, but they, don't you know the kind of things that they celebrate? Don't you know the kind of things that they have up in their windows? Don't you know how they voted? Don't you know how fill in the blank here? You know what? Just like the disciples had to get over the Sea of Galilee, there are people over there who are waiting for you to, to get over it. All, all of the things, and, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that, that we celebrate the things they do in, in an effort to, to build bridges. I'm saying that God is sending you to the other side as, as a presence carrier and as someone who carries the spirit of God stepping onto that side of the seashore in a, in, 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 in a way that the presence of God has not been there before. Because when the presence of God shows up, Velocity Church, all bets are off. 
that it's not about fun taglines. It's not, I'm all for that. It's not about great branding. I'm all for all of that stuff. But we have to be the kind of people who carry the presence of God to the places that he sends us, whether it makes sense on paper or not. Because here's what happens. That man is sowed. He's literally sowed into the soil of the Decapolis as this mustard seed. Remember, Jesus is unpacking the parable of the mustard seed. And, and he's, he's trying to show the disciples who they would have been like, Jesus, there's no freaking way I'm going to go talk to those people. I got plenty of people over here I can minister to, plenty of people who need me, plenty of people, I got all these connect groups, I got all this stuff, plenty of people who need me here. And he's going, but there's somebody on the other side who needs you to carry my presence to them. They're not gonna get in a boat and come to you because they don't even know it's available to them. I need you to go to them. And you're saying, yeah, but I got all this stuff over here and I got this. And he's saying, yeah, but I need you to go to the other side some of you you're like you're like this you're like this demon possessed man who who you came to Jesus and he set you free he he put your marriage back together the addictions fell off your life has been rebuilt and and you're just like God use me God use me God use me Jesus can I get in your boat and he goes no and you're sitting in this space where you've been set free, you've been delivered, you've been whole, but it feels like Jesus left. It feels like he's gone. It feels like he did all this great stuff for me, but now he's using all these other people. I would, I would say this to you, that sometimes when Jesus says no, it's actually because he's saying yes to something we didn't even know to ask for. That you're like, why? God, why are these doors closing? Why is it? What are you doing with where God has placed you right now? See, this guy was perfectly positioned to go into the Decapolis. Jesus, they didn't listen to him. In fact, they told him, don't you ever come back to our country ever again. But this man, he was one of them. And some of you guys, you're sitting in spaces where Pastor Justin or Connect Group Leader or Andrew or, or anybody, the people in your world would not listen to them for two seconds. But you are perfectly positioned in this place because you used to be one of them. You used to be bound up like them. You used to be caught up like them. You used to be held down like them. You used to be possessed like them. But God is sowing you into the soil of that ground and he is using you like this mustard seed. But if you're not careful, you're gonna be like, God, why are you not using me? Why am I not growing? Why does it feel like, uh, why does it feel like nobody can see me? Why does it feel like my ministry is so far away? And Jesus is like, would you just go tell the people around you what I have done for you? Because here's what happens. They go back to the other side and they got all this stuff and Jesus is preaching. I go super fast. Jesus is preaching. These people are hungry and the disciples are like, should we go to Subway? Or, and he's like, no, don't do that. Check this. Bring this boy's lunch. Uh, for, I'm sorry, I'm going so fast right now. But he's, he, he does this, this miracle of multiplication. And, and in case you're wondering, in case there's pushback in your heart and you're like, man, that sounds good. I just, I just don't know if I can buy into that. The disciples were still there in that space. Like, like preacher, I, I just, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I can go to people who not only don't believe in Jesus, but celebrate things that are absolutely contrary to who he is. And just, just to prove the point, Jesus on the good guy side of the lake he does this miracle where he multiplies these fish and loaves for 5,000 people. And scripture says there are 12 baskets of food left over. Have you ever wondered why Jesus did the same exact miracle twice? It seems weird, a couple chapters apart. Well, go home and read it. They go back to the other side, to, to the Decapolis. 
And this is Mark chapter eight. And scripture says this, that in those days, when again, a great crowd had gathered. Some three chapters ago, when they got there, it was one demon possessed guy. The next time Jesus goes back in this place that was completely not just not serving God, but celebrated things that were contrary to scripture. They were proud of them. They were out front. They mocked Jesus. Some three chapters later, because of this one man who was faithful when Jesus said, no, you can't come with me. You stay here and tell your story. There are great crowds of people. Now there's revival on this side of the lake that at one point rejected who Jesus was because somebody was willing to go to the other side. And scripture says they were hungry. And they're like, should we go buy him food? And Jesus is like, bro, two chapters ago, I fed 5,000 people. <laughs> but this is important. There's 4,000 people sitting there. So Jesus does the same exact miracle on both sides of the lake. A miracle of multiplication and provision on both sides of the lake. The scripture says in Mark chapter 8 that, that when, it, when, when they, he had multiplied this bread, they went and they fed everybody and they collected seven baskets. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't make mistakes. When there's numbers in scripture, they're on purpose. On the Jewish side of the lake, where the 12 tribes of Israel were, there were 12 baskets left over. Jesus describes himself as, as the bread of life. On, on the bad guy side of the lake, we're the seven nations. We've got 12 tribes. On the other side, we got seven nations of Canaan who were completely rejecting. They were the people who were driven out of God's promised land. But Jesus was here to establish a new order and he was here to, to declare that his kingdom was now here because he's using these chapters to unpack what he's saying about the kingdom of God. And on that side, there are seven baskets left over which would have screamed to the disciples and I pray screams to us that he is not just the bread of life for the 12 nations of Israel. He's not just the bread of life for people who love him. He's not just the bread of life for people who grew up in the right neighborhood. And he's not just the bread of life for people who do the right reading plans and who are in the right connect groups. But he's in fact also the bread of life for the seven nations of Canaan, for the people who completely reject him, that he just needs some people to go in there, be sown into the soil of that place and watch what God does in there. Some of you, you are being sown right now. And God is trying to teach you things. He's trying to show you things. And and you got to sing songs like Peace Be Still because God, it looks crazy and it looks like Lemony Snicket and it looks like I missed it. And God, this is not okay. But he has sown you into the soil and he is using this church, I believe this, to go to the other side, to go to the places where other people don't want to go. Other people are saying there's nothing over there. It's just one demon possessed guy. We got all this stuff to do over here. Don't waste your time. Velocity Church, it is not a waste of time to go where God sends you. It is not a waste of time to be sown into the soil of your family. It's not a waste of time to be sown into the soil of your workplaces. It is not a waste of time because just like this mustard seed, you get sown into the ground and you watch what God does. He will bring shade. He will bring provision even where it doesn't belong. Can I pray for you, Velocity? Can we stand together? I want to pray for you.